So if you guys would, would everybody just stand to their feet and welcome Pastor Steve Taboo. Good morning. Well, I didn't expect to cry before I preached. That was, uh, yeah. You know, we're just so blessed in our community to have a great unity. And uh, that doesn't come easy because we live in a crazy divided world right now. And we live in a, a country that we all love so deeply. And, and yet it's just... Um, it's in an interesting position. I just saw that we've declared a national state of emergency. I don't know if you saw that in the news lines this week. And uh, then also, uh, you follow where we're at just with the division, Democrat, Republican. In this room, we could, uh, we could pull it out, and I'm sure we'd have people on different sides of, of the thing. And I, as I was thinking about it, I thought, I really need a picture that that shows the hope that we could have. And so I've got a picture. I don't know when this picture was taken, but what if this picture was a reality every day? Let's see, can you still that picture of that cute couple on this stage? There you go. <laughs> Look at that. So happy together, you know? There you go. Now, obviously that was a Photoshop. I don't know. But I'm just... I just want you to know that that kind of unity may not ever be available in the secular world, but in the body of Christ it can be. You and everybody in this room are part of the answer. You're part of the answer to the division and the struggles that we have. When I, when I think of the church, I really do believe the local church is the hope of the world. It's a gift that God has given to the nations that we might love one another well. And uh, I'm grateful for the team that God has assembled here. I'm grateful for Paul. And uh, Paul's been a good friend. Paul grew up here. I didn't. I came here for college. I left for nine years and came back. And, and we've gotten together, just prayed for each other, encouraged each other. It may, not, it may be hard to believe, but sometimes the ministry gets a little lonely. Not because we don't have a thousand friends around us that care for us and pray for us, but we were talking about it in prayer time this Thursday. It's, it's just hard to explain the weight when you have hurt in the family of God. Uh, last Sunday, like at 8.40, I found out that one of my church families that I love so well that her brother had committed suicide the night before. And they were there that, that morning and just weeping over them and and then walking out and talking to another brother and finding out he'd just been diagnosed with cancer and just going, oh, Lord. And, and the hurts, the hurts that are there. And yet that's why we have the family of God, to support one another. I tell our church all the time, our competition is not other churches. They're our teammates. Our competition is the devil. He's the one that wants to steal, kill, and destroy and so I'm grateful for Paul and his family. I'm grateful for Rob and his family. And uh, we're part of the big van club in town. Uh, that's kind of a running joke. We both have had 12 passenger vans because he's got a bunch of kids. I got a bunch of kids. And so you see those big that you think, you know, they're church vans. No, no, they're just our personal family vans. <laughs> it's just, 
You know, it's just the way it is. We, once we load up our families, we got to throw three or four other friends in, you know, and sometimes they fill up as well. Uh, so as I was praying about what to share, I really just felt drawn to the prayer of Christ for us in John 17. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and, and flip over to John 17. And I'm going to start in, in verse 9. And this is a passage where Christ is coming to the end of the ministry. And everything's about to go down. You know what I'm saying? He's about to be, be brought before the trial. He's about to be arrested. He's about to be crucified. The disciples are going to have to carry on without him. And, and he's spending this time with the Lord. And, and I don't know how John captured this prayer. Perhaps John was right there with him praying alongside Christ. But John captures his prayer and And we get to hear the prayer of Christ praying over not just the disciples, but over you and I as well. John chapter 17, verse 9, I'm reading from New Living Translation. He says, my prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world, they are staying in the world. But I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will ever believe in me through their message. Church on the Hill, Kynos, The River, First Baptist, Life Church, Stephen Street. All of us are included in that moment. Verse 22. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you've given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I've revealed you to them, and I'll continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Would you go with me to join the Lord in prayer? Lord, we come before you this morning. And we really do want what you want. We really do, God. Sometimes it's so hard. The world is so busy. There's so many things to get involved in, Lord. Education, sports, 
family, friendships. There's so many things and so many good gifts that you've given us. And sometimes, Lord, even the good gifts can push out you. Sometimes, Lord, we, we can take that spirit of competition that's, I think, healthy in sports and things, and we can push it into the church. And we can begin to measure ourselves against others that you never intended. Lord, we pray instead that each one of us here today would walk out the doors realizing that we have a bigger team than we ever imagined. And that together, Lord, we can win the city to Jesus. Together, Lord, we can love one another and pray for one another and and lock arms together. And we pray that you give us the wisdom and the will to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I've just got a couple things that... uh, I wanted to pull out, and uh, first thing I wanted to just tell you is, isn't it cool that Jesus prayed for us? I mean, when I read that passage, I am so encouraged because I realize Christ still is at the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding for us now. And I've wrestled with how he does that, you know what I mean? For years, just be honest, if I got two kids talking to me at once, I can only hear one, you know what I'm saying? It's like, if all my kids, I come through the door after work, and I'll have one go, Dad, Dad, can you help me with homework? Dad, Dad, can you fix my bike? Dad, 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 let me show you my picture I drew. And I'm hearing all that at once, and I'm like, time out, time out, first, first one right here, get in line, you know? <laughs> and it's like, I can do one at a time. That's all I can handle. And yet, God can hear all of our prayers and minister to all of us simultaneously, because he's God. Now, I had a hard time figuring that out because in my brain, I can't figure it out because I'm not capable. But I'm so grateful for the internet because the internet actually helped me understand. It's like all of us in this room can get on Wi-Fi at one time. It'd probably crash, but you know, if we all got on. But if we all got on Wi-Fi at one time, we all entered into our Google search, hey, where was Jesus born? All of us could get an answer in the same moment, couldn't we? How much smarter is God than the internet? He is God Almighty. He is capable of all things. And when Christ came, he came to set up a new kingdom, a kingdom where he would be honored and glorified and where we would be united and love one another. And he prayed for us. Now, interestingly enough, the first thing he prayed for is for protection. He prayed for protection from the evil one. Uh, Same as in the Lord's Prayer. In uh, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, we, we pray it. It's probably the most famous prayer that we pray. John 17 gets such little press compared to Matthew 6, right? You know, Matthew 6, though, is uh, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. Deliver us from evil. You see, Christ prayed protection over the disciples then and those of us here now. And I didn't see this for many years. Literally, this is something I picked up on just about a year ago because I was going through this and I was was trying to teach my people on how to pray like Jesus. And I never saw before, there's three places in the New Testament where Jesus prays protection for the disciples from the evil one or from evil. And I, I used to pray for strength. You know, Lord, give me the strength to walk through temptation with victory. Give me the strength to walk through this pain and suffering. Now I don't pray that unless I'm in the middle. If I'm not in the middle, I'm just like, Lord, protect me from everything. 
Lord, don't, I just soon you put a hedge of angels around me and my family and my church. And Lord, we pray you protect us from divorce. We pray, Lord, you protect us from sexual temptation. We pray, Lord, you protect us from lying and cheating and stealing when it's convenient and easy. Lord, we, we pray that you protect us from, from those that might try to attack our family verbally or physically. Lord, we just pray your protection. And so I started praying this protection over my kids every night before they go to bed, praying over my family, praying over our church, praying over our leaders. I mean, I don't want to have the strength to get through a, a, a horrible uh, situation in our church that could have been just never taken place if the temptation had never been there, right? I mean, Joseph had the strength to, to flee sexual immorality when it happened. Way to go, and I pray that all of us will. But how much better if that only happened once in his life he'd never have to deal with it again, right? So I've been praying this prayer of protection, and I, I would just encourage you, pray this prayer of protection over your pastors. You know, pray this prayer of protection over your body, your, your deacons, your church, your Sunday school teachers, because the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to crush us. Anybody that's a light in this world, the devil is coming after. I like to say it like this. The, the more you live for Jesus, the bigger the target you have on your head. Which almost makes you want to not do as much for Jesus, right? Except the greater the target, the greater the power the Lord will put in you. The greater the victory he wants to give you and the greater impact you'll have in this city. We need men and women of God that will stand up for what is right and live for what God calls us to. And we need to do so in unity together because we're better together. We're stronger together. Now, as we look at uh, verse 13 and 14, we also have another enemy. It says, uh, now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. God wants to have this joy. But I have given you their, I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. This is so hard for those of us that like the approval of others. Anybody else got that problem in life? I, I like people to like me. I like people to like me. And we're, we're living in a world now where the people just may not like us if we live for Jesus. They just may not like us, and we have to be okay with that. And it was no difference in the time of Jesus. When Jesus came and he walked the earth, guess what? They hated him so much they stuck him on the cross. Okay? Why are we surprised? He even told his disciples, don't be surprised when they do the same thing to you. But we've lived for so many years in this country with a culture that was complementarian to Jesus and his teachings. For so many years, there were things there, but as a whole, like I tell people, I grew up in a family, my mom was an atheist, my dad was an agnostic, but they still taught me the same right and wrongs that most people here taught. They still told me that marriage was sacred, that you wait until you're married, and they weren't even believers, but that was a culture, but it's no longer the culture. I was talking with my kids and, you know, a lot of the, I mean, I, I like superhero movies. I think we all like to see a hero do something great and somebody rescue. But I don't know if you've noticed, but the superheroes of today are becoming more and more dark heroes. Yes. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it's like, it's almost like almost every superhero now has to sleep with somebody in a movie. And I'm just like, wow. But why are we surprised? 
The devil is here to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to come after us any way he can. And I don't blame Hollywood. I blame the church. Because if we were the ones that were leading the way, doing what God's called us to do, to live in a way that's, that's making an impact, we would be changing people from the inside out. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to help lead people to change from the inside out. But don't be surprised when the world doesn't like it. Don't be surprised that they're not going to jump on board and pat you on the back and everything you do and say, way to go, way to go. So, so the second thing there is that Jesus prayed that we be united, that we would be united as one. Now, when I say that, that's the big C. There's a difference between the big C and the little C, right? The little C is our each local church, Church on the Hill, Kainos, the River Community Church. The big C is all of us together in this city. And guess what? We're not all going to look the same. Here's what he says in verse 11. He says, uh, they will be united just as we are. That's his desire for us, is that we will be united together as one. How was the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit united? Oh, man, they were tight, weren't they? I mean, there's no tighter they can get. That's the example for us as the church. Now, did they agree on everything? No. Matter of fact, how many of you in here are married? Let me see a show of hands. How many of you in here are married? If you're married, raise your hand. Okay, keep your hands up if you and your spouse agree on everything. Everything? Everything. Everything. All right. Pastor Paul, marriage counseling right there. <laughs> Here's my thing. If my wife and I can't agree, because we don't, we don't. I, I, I mean, I'm an extrovert. She's an introvert. We go to parties, I want to close it down, she's ready to go in 30 minutes, you know what I'm saying? You know, she has everything organized, it's hers, I've got one big box, I just throw everything in, you know, you, you feeling me, okay? I like to drive with the gas pedal, don't need the brake a whole lot, she likes the brake, you know, she likes to tell me where it is. And so, so we're, we're very different in our marriage, and yet when we realize that as a gift from God, we are complementarian. We, we partner together and our strengths help each other's weaknesses. Make sense? I believe churches are the same. The river's not the same as Kainos. Kainos is not the same as Church on the Hill. Each one of us pastors are different. I, I have to admit, I had a little bit of pastor envy there for about 20 minutes as Rob's sitting there leading worship and killing it out there. And then Paul gets up and like it's nothing, just gets up and starts playing the piano and singing. And I can't carry a tune in the bucket. I mean, people make, I mean, it's, it's so bad that I paid a guy. When I went to seminary, I hired a professional uh, vocalist to teach me voice lessons because I really wanted to sing worship songs better. After one lesson, he fired me. <laughs> True story. I was willing to pay the guy, and he's like, Steve, you are so tone deaf, I can't do anything with you. I was offended, right? Uh. <clears throat> so a joke around our house. Because some of my kids can play some things. Joke around our house is I, dad can play the radio really good. <laughs> there you go, I got it. And that's what I can do. But you know what? That's not what God called me to do. That's not my strength. That's not who I am. Every church is the same way. Some churches are going to be more in, infused in, in the local school. Some are going to be more infused in a, adoption some are going to be more infused in, in missions overseas. We're all called to, to love God, love people, and impact the world, but we won't all look exactly the same. Amen. When Rob came and shared his vision of a multicultural church, I was like, man, I love that vision. 
I love that vision. And we were in Sunday school class this morning, and, and we were talking about it because in the class, well, there are several people that, that go to Kainos that were part of the river for a while, and, and uh, we introduced it that way. And I was like, well, it's a good thing. Because you see, when we heard Rob's vision, we wanted to encourage people in our body to get on board with that vision. And so we let Rob speak at both of our campuses and, and we invited him, hey, if this is a vision God's speaking to you about, jump on board, plug in. We believe in this man of God. He's got a unique vision that is a gift that we don't have. Now don't get me wrong, I wanna be a multicultural church, but I don't feel like that's the, a, a core value for us and he does. And I support that and believe in that. So we are better together as a church, as a city, when we are different and we're not all cookie cutter Christians and we don't all wear the same clothes and we don't all dress the same and we don't all sing the same songs. I have people come to us all the time and say, Pastor, we need more hymns. I don't have them come much. I have them come to me sometimes. And what they mean by more hymns is at least once a year for, for the river. And... And I say, hey, listen, if you want hymns, I, I love hymns. I, I got saved on hymns. Having said that, that's not who God's called us to be. And I'll give them three churches that, that do a great job of worshiping with hymns. I have others that come to us. They're like, Pastor, we, uh, we, we enjoyed the service, but we, we'd like something a little more charismatic. And I say, well, I, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit, but they're not manifested here. It's not really on Sunday morning a part of who our vision is and I said, so you pray about it, and here's, here's a couple of churches that you might find that, that you'll be able to flourish more in. And sometimes that blows people's mind. They're like, you're, you're sending us to another church? No, we'd love you to stay here. But more than I'd love you to stay here, I'd love you to flourish in Jesus Christ. Because at our body, somebody might be someone that just sits and soaks, and that's never the intention of God. But as they find another place where God is calling on them to use and give their gifts, they could change the world. And so if we can, if we can see this unity that Christ called us to, if we can embrace this and, and realize this is one of the, the big things that Christ prayed for the church, I think it'll change our whole mindset. You see, because Cookville's growing. I don't know if you've read the newspapers and the statistics. I went to a meeting just this last week and and it was by the, um, uh, one of the government entities that tracks all the statistics. And in the last seven years, Cookville has grown by 9.9%. So roughly 10%. So Cookville, roughly 30,000, has grown to 33,063, something like that. Now think about that, 10%. That's 3,000 more people that have been invited into our community. And I believe God's bringing them for the purpose of them finding the hope of Jesus. I've had some people say, well, there's a lot of people coming up from Florida and down from up north. And I'm like, hallelujah, that's awesome. Let them come. Because I believe we've got something unique and awesome here. And it's a whole lot cheaper for them to come to us than for us to have to fly up there and see them. Right? <laughs> we got plenty of people around here to tell about Jesus and love with Jesus, right? So why aren't we? Why aren't we? Well, I don't know, but I believe Christ has, has transformed us and given us that hope. And I want, my belief is that God wants every church to be healthy in Putnam County. Every church, regardless of denomination, label on the outside. I believe God wants every church to be healthy. And so 
that's part of my heart with the pastor's prayer group is I want pastors to be healthy. I want our churches to be on, on fire for the Lord because guess what? I got six kids. So the chance is that one of those kids is going to marry one of Paul's or one of Rob's and, and they're going to wind up at one of their churches and I want them to grow in Christ and love Christ at their church. And one of my kids may marry somebody from First Baptist or somebody from First Methodist and I want my kids wherever they're at, to be a part of a healthy, Bible-believing, God-fearing, Jesus-loving church. So we, we don't have to have a competition like, oh, you know, the river's better than this or that. We, we can enjoy the success for all churches in our community and pray and ask God for the health and the flourishing of all bodies of Christ. Now, to do so, I think it's okay to tell some jokes on each other and pick on each other a little bit. I love to pick on different pastors, and we, we like to uh, pick back and forth. Bobby Davis at Life Church and I, we pick back and forth quite a bit. He picks on my singing, my lack of it, because he sat next to me a couple of times, and uh, I pick, up, pick on his rhyming all the time, and, you know, <laughs> and uh, we joke back and forth, uh, but... But we can do that because we love each other, not because we don't have to have a competition or animosity. We're on the same team. Well, the third thing is, uh, and this is, this is the hardest part, make us holy as Jesus is holy. Verse 17, he says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. This was the one I was wrestling with as I was praying and preparing because I feel like God was saying, Steve, this is something you need to work on. You see, you, you can get to a point as a Christian where you can kind of put it on cruise control and just be good. You know, you, know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't kill people, I, I don't steal. Well, guess what? Neither do the corpses in the, in the cemetery. Right? They don't do any of that stuff either. That's not what makes you holy. What makes you holy is, is your life set apart for the work of God? Is your life set apart so that when, when people hang out with you, they go, man, there's a different aroma. There's a different aroma with this person. They, they don't smell like the world. They smell like fresh roses. They smell like something that that's new. You ever get that new car smell when you buy a new car? You ever, I, I like buy. I just go the cheap way. Just buy it and spray it in your car. You know, twenty year old car. You spray it in there. You feel like you're rich again, right? <laughs> right. Well, that's what we have on us when we come out of our prayer times with the Lord. It's like we got this new believer smell. I remember the excitement of when I got saved. I went home and I told everybody. I, I was 16 years old. I got saved. I, I told everybody I could think of. They weren't as excited as I was. Can you believe that? But I was excited. And, and when, I, when I spend time with the Father, kneeling with him in worship, and, and man, you talk about worship this morning, time of singing and worship. Oh, that was fresh. That was good. It was actually even good, just like you said. I, I, on Sunday morning, it's just hard for me to shut it off you know, brother, you know, you're back there, okay, oh, no, the slides aren't working, doggone it. They worked 30 minutes ago, and you got to go fix that. And it's hard to shut it off on a Sunday morning. And so getting to be here and worshiping with you guys, I could just shut it all off and go, oh, that problem is Paul's responsibility. Ah, yeah, 
yeah. <laughs> and really just connect with the Lord. And, and I just want you to know God's desire, his desire for you is to worship him in holiness and to really come before him and go, God, here's what I got. This is the messy part. Will you forgive me? I, I, I really don't want to go there again with that envy and that attitude. Lord, this is the good stuff, but I know that that's really nothing but filthy rags to you because you're perfect. So really, Lord, all I've got is my, my heart that Christ has made pure, but it's yours. It's yours. I give it to you. And in that holiness, I believe that's what's going to change our community. I believe it's what's going to change the world because it's different than just being good. It's being transformed. Well, in verse 20, he says, I am praying not only for, those, for these disciples, but also for those who will ever believe in me through their message. Did he pray for us to be safe? No. Did he pray for us to be rich? No. He prayed protection from the evil one. You see, if, if we're walking in Christ in holiness, then the protection that I'm craving when I'm in that place is just protection from sin and the evil one. And then whatever he gives me, I've learned to be, as Paul says, to be content in all things. And if that's the Lord giving me a, a great house to live in or an apartment or whatever it might be, I can find contentment and joy in all those things because I know that he is for me and I get to be with him. So he's praying for us. And then lastly, this is pretty cool. Lastly, he tells us all, verse 22, he says, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. Did you know that you have the glory of God on you? What does that even look like? That he's given you his glory. He, he has given you the ability to be that fresh aroma, that new car smell, that, that, that beautiful scent to those around you. You see, the world smells of, of death and soured apples. It, it, smells, it smells like the same smell that we hear and see. And I can't turn the news on for very long without smelling that smell of soured apples. I get disappointed, but I, sometimes I just think, okay, maybe this politician is going to be different and really want what's best for the country. And maybe this person is going to really be unselfish in the way they serve and and I get disappointed. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe there's some great men and women of God up in, on the Capitol. I do. And we need to be praying for them. But I've learned the only one I can put my hope in is in Jesus. He's the only one that never has failed me. He's the only one that offers me his glory to walk in. And if I will walk in it, then people won't see Steve Taboo. They'll see the Lord high and lifted up. They'll see hope at their public schools. They'll see hope at their job place. And they'll partner together and they'll quit seeing denominations and, and the frustrations and arguings over that. I, people ask me, they say, what, what are your favorite, what's your favorite denomination? I'm like, well, if I'm talking denominations, I'm pretty clear. I've got my favorite. It's hundreds. I'll take 50s and 20s if you want to give them to me, but hundreds are my favorite denomination. 
It's like, why, why do we want to put labels besides Christian? All of us, if we believe in Christ Jesus, our Savior, let's, let's follow the label of Christian. Let's, let's walk in that and let's partner with others at work, where we live, where we work, and where we play to do that. Last thing I'll just close with is a, a great story of when this works well. My wife and I, we, we host international students in our home, and we hosted one this past year, and he lived with us for a couple months, and while he did, we get to meet other international students that they hang out with, and one of them that came over to dinner with us ended up coming for Christmas Eve, Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving. Did he do Thanksgiving? No, Christmas Eve and Christmas dinner. Uh, and we, we were pouring into him, trying to share the love of Jesus with him. Well, at the same time, someone from tech had invited him to the Baptist Student Union, and, and they were teaching him English as a second language uh, and teaching him about Jesus. At the same time, some, another Christian organizational campus called Campus Outreach was ministering to him, sharing with him about the Lord. At the same time, they were inviting him to Washington Avenue. My wife and I were inviting him to, to the river. At the same time, uh, this, this other gal from Stephen Street Baptist Church took an interest in him, was sharing Jesus with him. That's what, five different churches, something like that, Christian? Guess what? He got saved. I mean, is, is that a surprise? I mean, what if you walked in a new country and all of a sudden everybody's just talking about Jesus? What are you going to be interested in? Jesus, right? So why don't we just start telling everybody we can about Jesus? Why don't we make that the interest point? And guess what? If instead of us sitting around the water cooler at work on Monday morning, we're complaining about how the music was too loud or too soft or how the, the Sunday school was too long or too short or how the pastor should have wore this or should have wore that or, or how, instead of doing that, what if we come together and go, let me tell you what Jesus spoke to me about Sunday morning. And then we get together with our Church of Christ, Joe Roberts, who I love so well from, from College Side. And I talk to Joe and say, Joe, what did God do in your congregation Sunday morning? And he tells me, and I, I get together with my, my brother uh, Randy from uh, New Beginnings, and he shares what God did there and what God did at Kainos. And we realize God's at work in all these churches. Let's partner together. Let's believe God for this city. Let's, let's believe that we are a part of a bigger team and that together, together one day, People will look back in history and they'll go, you know where that great awakening came in the, the early 2000s? Came out of a small town in Cookville. Small town called Cookville that nobody ever heard of. That's where it came from. I'm going to close in a prayer blessing over you guys if you let me. Uh, Lord, I just come before you. And I just pray your blessing on this body right now. Lord, in this world, we do have many trials. And I'm not whining or complaining, Jesus. I'm not. But sometimes it stinks down here. But you know that because you had to walk it yourself. And Lord, we, we just come and we ask for your protection, first of all. We ask that you would protect our churches from the evil one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. We pray, Lord, you put some big dog angels all around Churchill on the Hill, all around Kainos, all around the river, all around every body of believers in this town. And Lord, we pray that you protect us from the evil one. And then, Lord, we pray for unity. Lord, we pray that you would make us one as you are one. We pray that people would, uh, in the post office, would hear different churches talking about what Jesus is doing in their church, and they would be inspired by that, and they'd be drawn to that unity and that love. We pray, Lord, that when we feel tempted to talk about somebody else's church, then instead of doing so, Lord, we will pray for someone else's church. 
And then when we feel like we want to talk bad about our deacon or our Sunday school teacher, Lord, that we will bless them and thank them for their service and pray for them. We pray, God, that you take the weakness of our flesh and that you make us holy as you are holy. And that when we are tempted to walk in the flesh and lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, or the pride of life, Lord, we pray that our brothers in Christ, our sisters in Christ that love us well, will speak into us and help us and protect us. We thank you for this gift that you call the church, the family of God, that although, Lord, we got a lot of freckles on us, we got a big smile. That although we aren't perfect, Lord, we, we are your bride. And Lord, we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys give Steve a big round of applause. Stay, stay here.